Welcome back to Morning Trade Live. Let's talk more about the economy and the status of our recovery, which is now getting pinched by the Federal Reserve. Cheryl Smith joins us, economist and portfolio manager at Trillium Asset Management. Good morning, Cheryl. Welcome back. Good morning, Oliver. Thank you. Okay, so right now the big question is not necessarily if, but a lot of people are asking when recession. Are you in that camp? Walk me through the way you're thinking about it. Our feeling is that the risk of recession in 2023 has materially increased with the inflation problem now being uh, much more intransigent than we had thought. Uh, it's not just supply chain, although the supply chain continues to be a difficult part, but it's also the war in Ukraine, um, spiking commodity prices, as well as the COVID shutdowns. Uh, throughout. So it's really bleeding through a number of different areas. And with that more intransigent uh, inflation problem, we see the Fed having to turn to really the only tool it has, which is interest rate hikes. The way interest rate hikes work to tame inflation is basically by demand destruction. Now, we don't see recession in 2020, and we don't even see it in early 2023, mm. because there's a long time lag between when interest rates start going up and when the, it rolls through to an economic slowdown. Does our history uh, serve us in this moment coming off the zero bound? How do we price in and try and figure out the effects of the last couple of years, which were unprecedented in the role that monetary policy and, and rates seemingly played in our economy? It makes it a very difficult uh, comparison, although what I would look at is where are real rates? So where are consumer expectations and business expectations of five-year inflation compared to five-year interest rates? So that gives us a little bit of a sense. So um, it's unprecedented, as you mentioned, to find a period in the United States of near zero interest rates. So we really have to look for a real rate comparison. Real rates are still um, slightly negative. So we would still think that at the moment, the Fed rates are still, in a broad sense, accommodative. But we are starting to see effects on housing. We're starting to see commodity uh, price commodity prices soften, as your previous uh, speaker said. So, uh, beginning to see some little roll through, but we are not yet at an extremely restrictive. Uh, Fed policy. But what we do have is that rising consumer expectations, rising business expectations of inflation, and the Fed having said it is determined to bring us back to that 2% level. That, while Powell says he wants to engineer a soft landing, that we will bring us back to 2%, to me, says we're going to go through a period of extraordinary restrictive policy, and therefore, that is a danger for the rest of the economy. How will we know, Cheryl, and how do we figure out whether or not that commodity slowdown in price that we've seen was a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, how will we assess if this is giving us a warning that perhaps that slowdown is becoming more imminent? Should we as um, uh, people in the economy be rooting for these commodity prices to peel off uh, quickly and dramatically? I think we are. We should be rooting for the commodity prices to soften. What you want is the commodity prices to soften. You want the labor market to soften a little bit, but not mm. extensively. So you want to see um, not a lot of job creation at the job creation numbers, um, but you don't want to see a lot of the unemployment numbers going up. 
So it's a balance here. You want to see housing prices stop rising so quickly. Uh, you want to see new home building still continuing because we do have a significant shortage of housing in the United States. So you're trying to see um, both sides. You want job creation to not be so fast, but you don't want new job claim, jobless claims to rise. You want housing prices to not go up so fast, but you want housing to continue. And that's the challenge is that the interest rate is a very blunt instrument. <laughs> it affects everybody. It doesn't just affect the parts you want to affect. It doesn't just affect those copper prices or the oil prices. It affects across the board. So it's using a baseball bat to try and you know, adjust the lever. It's very, very um, challenging to yeah. get it right. Just as I was feeling bad for myself having to do an extra show today, uh, much less uh, rather do Powell's job. What an impossible gig trying to thread this needle, uh, you know, cool off housing while still fixing the supply issue and then loosening employment while still keeping people employed. Is there any investment strategy that uh, obviously works? I mean, is everything here a risk reward, uh, a uh, pro con? I mean, is there anything from an investment strategy that fits that threaded needle situation that we're in right now? We think that um, the best investment strategy at this point is to focus on companies that have steadier earnings. So your more cyclical companies are going to be seeing, you know, the risk there is if the interest rate increases are too fast, that needle isn't threaded, uh, you see housing start to crater, you see other um, industrial companies start to have difficulties and you see um, earnings uh, expectations being revised down quickly. So we are have shifted, are shifting to um, more emphasis on the companies with more stable earnings, a bit more in the pharmaceutical companies and healthcare companies, a bit more in consumer companies, although we're looking at the more stable parts of consumer discretionary rather than uh, center of the aisle grocery consumer staples, because we still don't see uh, it's consistent non-growth there as opposed to consistent growth, which is really what we're looking for. The other element I really wanna bring into this is that there is a third element that's outside of the Fed, but that we also need to pay attention to, and that is the climate change issue and the issue of sustainability for our economy. We've seen what uh, reliance on fossil fuel oil does for us when those oil prices spike up and come down. Um, we need to be focusing more on getting more renewable energy. And we're also seeing the effect of climate change in crop prices. We're seeing the effect of worldwide drought on food sustainability. And so that's mm. something we're looking at as a long-term investment play, trying to figure out how do you position to be helping climate in 2050 as 2040, 2030, so very long-term, but how also do you work on um, reachieving resilience for an economy? That's something that interest rate policy really doesn't work mm -hmm. for, but you have to not slow the economy down so much that you continue the underinvestment in these issues that we've had for the past 10 or 15 years. Really like that point about um, thinking how to uh, come up with the long-term uh, the strategies to fix some of these problems that we're learning about uh, definitely have an impact here. Uh, Cheryl, uh, appreciate you joining us. A really good 
conversation. We'll talk some more about uh, the uh, uh, green energy style investing next time. Appreciate you being here. Thank you so much.